a quaint Cuban cafe, Old Havana on Calle Ocho. Beyond an open facade, the white noise of an early evening squall slaps at the sidewalks of Little Havana, Miami. Four squat and dark-haired middle-aged men sardined in the corner play some Latin jazz, warble crooning and easy plucking at the vinyl strings. Behind the bar, a tall young man sporting a white button-down lines Collins' glasses up about ten across. In each glass, he methodically and with flippant precision javelins in mint sprigs, then handily into each one scoops two bar spoons of sugar and waits. The orders came in legion. Two of them were ours. I watched the bartender brandish a large wooden muller, squish, splish, the sound of fresh lime juice pressing vigorously into mint and sugar rivaled the tropical shower outside. Each glass got its comeuppance. Pour the white rum, a brand I didn't recognize, into a sugar-frothed pallid green slush. Filled with ice, every Promethean cocktail received a sugarcane stock and was topped off with sparkling water. I poked my straw deep into the mint and remnants of undissolved sugar. My daughter lifted her glass for a cheers, and we each took that metanoil sip. That began in earnest my foray, nay, my expedition, into the mojito. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pod Tiki, episode two. This is on the mojito. My research has taken me to a plethora of bars and restaurants to find a comparable mojito, including Havana, Cuba, the birthplace of this convivial cocktail. But we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. To me, anyway, the story of the mojito is the story of Cuban rum. It was the year of our Lord, 1862, in Santiago de Cuba, when an immigrant of Spanish-French descent opened his distillery. Don Fecundo Bacardi set out to create the best new rum in the Caribbean. His charcoal filtration technique led to the clear, clean style of distilling now referred to as the Cuban style. Its fruity, earthy, crisp, tobaccoish profile incontestably marries flavors of the Cuban terroir with smooth, easy-drinking sensibilities of the burgeoning American tourist boom. We'll get there. The idolic Tower Distillery in Havana still bears an iconic fruit bat effigy aloft its mighty spire. I've been there. I've seen it. The fruit bat, on the label of every bottle of Bacardi, is said to be from the fruit bats that inhabited the original distillery building. The impending revolution and Bacardi's strong political leanings forced him, and consequently his Rome, to abandon his native island for less turbulent seas, but not before lending itself to the creation of some of the world's most popular cocktails. Today, Havana Club dominates the mojito in Havana, but at its very root, the progenitorial rum would have been Bacardi. We'll compare the two later for our purposes. Of course, like every single cocktail I've researched thus far, there is an origin and there is an origin. The Wayback claims the infamous pirate Sir Francis Drake may have initially combined the ingredients we know as the mojito today as a remedy. Legend has it, while somewhere off the coast of Cuba around 1586, Drake's men found themselves too ill to sail. 
After consulting the local Taino people, the primaveral plunderer himself concocted a remedy for his sailors consisting of mint to soothe the tummy, lime to prevent scurvy, sugar for flavor, and chuchahasi tree bark soaked in rum, said to have certain <clears throat> medicinal properties. This was what some claimed to be the world's very first cocktail, named after the Spanish moniker for Francis Drake, El Draque, or the Dragon. Centuries later came the Americans, as, as we tend to do. Yes, we find ourselves back at Prohibition. You may be surprised to learn that the ratification of the 18th Amendment didn't suddenly turn the whole of the United States into repentant, teetotaling Puritans. Rather, it was more like the entire country was made to sign a nationwide prom promise, while millions of fingers crossed behind backs from sea to shining sea. Thirsty American tourists flocked like a murder of booze-mad crows to the eastern seaboard of Estados Unidos to Havana, Cuba. The infatuation with our rum-soaked, cigar-smoked offshore neighbor didn't burn out past prohibition. An influx of tourist and mob money made Havana light up like a floating Vegas. Dirty money never sparkled and glistened so bright. Sinatra sang, Hemingway wrote, Ava Gardner rubbed elbows with Nat King Cole and Eartha Kitt. While in 1946, the Hotel Nacional hosted one of the largest known gatherings of crime bosses in mob history. On my recent trip to Havana, the Hotel Nacional was on our, our, our itinerary, but we were not able to go because there was anti-U.S. activity, lending itself to prove that the Hotel Nacional still a hotbed of corruption, or at least... Uh, you know, things happening in the <laughs> in Cuba. Amid the glamorous uproar, local people still needed normal folk stuff, like a bodega to eat and pick up sundries. In 1942, Angel Martinez opened a little place on the middle of Calle Empedrado in Habana Vieja. Serving dinner and drinks throughout the late 40s, Casa Martinez grew as a hotbed of burgeoning hipster culture. Poets, writers, musicians, and yes, even a few pre-revolutionaries with names like Castro and Guevara came to hang out at the little bar in the middle, or as it was christened in 1950, La Bodaguita del Medio. Bodaguita holds popular claim to inventing the mojito. Barely a one-room wooden bar room, walls covered twice over with handwritten signatures from decades of patrons. Tourists hover around the bar while locals popping by for a quick mojito on their way home spill out of the open facade onto la calle. An all-too-seasoned bartender with buzzed, peppered hair barely cracks a stoic smile at my girlfriend as they mock dance with the bar between them, arms steepled over rows of small Collins glasses. We named him the, the Cuban Papa. The mojito at Botaguita is a pale green and might taste a bit flat to someone used to soda water. In Havana, they use sparkling water instead of soda. Yes, 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 there is a difference. Soda water is seltzer, or it's artificially carbonated. The bubbles are larger and more abundant, whereas sparkling water's bubbles are naturally occurring from the natural spring where the water is collected. Simply put, smaller, softer bubbles. 
I prefer sparkling water over club soda in my mojitos. Another difference one might find in a Cuban mojito is the mint sprig, a strain known as yerba buena. They're way bigger and more verdant than the lame, limp mint twiglets found in my local Kroger. Keep in mind that pretty much everything in Cuba is grown in Cuba. The mint and lime juice are both farm to table. Or farm to glass in this case. In Bodeguita, the glasses are lined in a similar way as described earlier along the small bar top. El Cuban Papa, wielding a muddler the size of a small baton, preps and attacks the mint sugar lime at each consecutive glass with a fervor that sends drops of sugary citrus raining down upon the bar. He eyeballs in a decent helping of Havana Club three-year, three Tres Años, fills the glass with ice, and tops off with locally bubbly water. The result is a perfectly balanced masterpiece of cocktailia. Not too sweet, prevalent mint, hints of citrus accentuated by the bodily aged rum. It's refreshing and easy to go down, especially at the bargain price of $5 a drink. The rum palette holds its own against any hipster, old-fashioned, pinky, out-thumb-up-your-ass bourbon classist. And this is the basis for the way I make my mojitos. Okay, so let's make a drink. I find this recipe works best in a 10 to 12 ounce Collins glass. Grab yourself a wooden muddler, bar spoon, and small cubed ice. We'll need fresh lime juice. Uh, Cuban barkeeps will say half a lime is equal to three quarters ounce. But since the lime selection in the U.S. can vary from hormone-induced monolithic green giants to something more like a little green testicle, it's safe to bet uh, you know, it, it's a safe bet to simply juice your limes ahead of time to assure proper portion control. For the best mint, I would look for the live herbs some of our better groceries are carrying now. They come as a little plant ready to be cut right from the source. The other option is to befriend a local bar manager who will get you some of the nice fresh mint from a restaurant supply store. I'm no drink snob, but soggy, broken, prepackaged mini mint won't render the flavor we're looking for in a real mojito. My preference on sparkling water is um, Pellegrino. I find Topo Chico and Perrier too carbonated. Same with LaCroix. Now, grab yourself a bag of raw cane sugar, usually found in the baking aisle, and we're good to go. Oh, dear heavens, lest I've forgotten the most important part, rum. If you can get your hands on some Havana Club Tres Años, that's the obvious choice. This drink was invented with Cuban rum, and nothing else is quite like it. The three-year is a palette off-white color due to the aging in oak barrels, and offers a fruity, tepid sweet taste with notes of creamy oak and soft humidity. For something a little sweeter, a light Demerara rum fills this drink out nicely. The added earthy, fruity notes are not quite like a Cuban in flavor, but they add a complexity that offers a similar body and feel. I use El Dorado if I'm going that route. Cruzan makes a decent, cost-efficient light rum, and Plantation 3-star will add a hint of funk. Personally, I don't like that funk flavor in my mojito. I think it doesn't lend itself to the traditional flavor because I am a mojito purist. So I go with Bacardi. It might not be from Cuba anymore, and hardcore rum snobs will battle me on this, but a good Puerto Rican rum is not that different from the Cuban counterpart especially when it's from the company that invented Cuban rum. I've taken my stand, and I'll die on this hill alone if necessary. Fruity, 
and sweet with a little woody spice. Bacardi light rum is perfect for mojitos. Side note, Havana Club Puerto Rican light rum is available in the U.S. It's the, it's the Bacardi-owned version of Havana Club as opposed to the Cuban government-owned version of Havana Club. There's two names. It gets very confusing. There's a whole backstory we can go into some other time. It's supposed to be comparable, um, a good replacement for the Cuban rum. It's designed for Cuban cocktails. I haven't tried it, but I have noticed um, the more pallid tinted color. So maybe there's a complexity there worth the taste. Here we go. You got your Collins glass. Fold in a good size mint sprig. I go for three tiers of leaves. They come out about two at a time from the sprig. Uh, you go about three sets of leaves down with a little bit of stem after the last set. There's a lot of flavor in the entire sprig, so don't go picking the leaves off and discarding all that minty goodness that's in the stem. Just fold it all into the glass. Add two bar spoons of raw cane sugar and three-quarter ounce of lime juice. Now it's time to muddle. Wait, 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 wait. Slow down there, tiger. Veteran bartenders make it look sexy with all the pomp and circumstance, the splashiness, but all we're really trying to do is bruise the mint to release the flavor and pull the lime and sugar off that proverbial wall of the high school dance and get them to mingle all friendly-like. Too much muddling could result in shredding, and you'll end up with a mouthful of the tiniest salad. <laughs> Eyeball in about an ounce of sparkling water. We just want enough to dissolve the sugar by quickly stirring with the bar spoon. Then pour in an ounce and a half of your rum. No need to re-stir. Fill to the very top with cubed ice and top off to the rim with sparkling water. Garnish with a fresh mint sprig, giving it a few slaps in the palm of your hand to release the aroma. Now this is one cocktail that's acceptable to drink with a straw. For one, for the nature of there being leaves essentially floating around in it. And two, you want to drink this cocktail from the bottom the province of all that sugar and mint. Now, there seems to be some controversy on whether or not the recipe stops here. You see, recently in Havana, and amid the craft cocktail resurgence stateside, some establishments have begun adding a dash of Angostura bitters atop the finished mojito. Honestly, I like it both ways. In fact, I will usually have two a sitting and make one each way. The bitters fall slowly through the drink, giving it a duality, um, not unlike one of those two cents in one layered candles. Mojitos in Havana are the OG. You can count on a more mild yet rum-forward experience, humid and tropical like the place and people of Cuba. In Miami, you'll find just as good of mojitos, albeit catering more towards the sweeter and limey taste. Down in Key West, there's a stand selling street-side mojitos that are more like rum on ice with a lime twist. I couldn't even finish mine. Here in Nashville, we are not wanting for upscale bars, and a few of my favorite mojitos in town come from Flamingos and Ernest Bar and Hideaway, with a tip of the hat to my boy Matt at Primings, who made me a pretty damn good mojito while I sat in the lounge being antisocial doing the research for this article. This herbaceous, mint, tart, citrus, sweet cane libation is probably my favorite cocktail of all time. It's perfect with any flavor cigar. You can substitute pineapple or coconut rum if so inclined. It's a great drink to experiment with and even better as the original. Sugar and mint could be adjusted to taste. It's simple and refreshing, perfect for poolside chilling or late night salsa dancing. 
Muddle, muddle, splash, pour, fizz. It's a mojito. There's a sign hanging in Bodeguita del Medio, supposedly signed by Ernest Hemingway, which reads, My mojito en la bodeguita, my daiquiri en el floridita. There's some suspect around this being authentic. Some claim the man didn't even like mojitos. I find it hard to believe Hemingway, who loved Cuba and his people and culture so much, didn't stop in to, the, to uh, you know, the little bar in the middle of Calle Empedrado on his way back to his room at the Ambos Mundos Hotel for a quick tipple. There is one Hemingway quote that he's sure to have said, and I'm going to use it to end this podcast today. Because it holds true for myself, for Havana, Cuba, Nashville, Miami, Wherever you are. If you want to know a city's culture, spend a night in its bars. Ernest Hemingway. And that's it, folks, for episode two of Pod Tiki on the Mojito. A couple of shout-outs. I want to thank everybody for checking out last week's episode on the Mai Tai. Hopefully this episode has about 60% less mic noise. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, the Mai Tai episode was my first attempt at this podcast, and there's so much more that could have went into the Mai Tai. I'm probably going to end up going back and revisiting it once I get a little bit of a better handle on what I'm doing here with the show. I did want to give some shout outs that I forgot to give last week. For both the Mai Tai and the Mojito episode, I've really leaned heavily on a book called And a Bottle of Rum by Wayne Curtis. Um, as a, there's tons of great information in there. Um, also, you know, just basic internet searching is, can, has uh, brought up a lot of these, a lot of my research. It's nothing that you guys can't find on your own if you're interested. I also have gotten so much more literature. I thought I knew tiki culture until recently, and even in the last two weeks since I released the last episode. There is just so much history and so much uh, mythos around around tiki culture so much um the genre has so much to offer tradition and stories and just history so i recently just got my hands on a copy of beach bum berry's grog log and uh I, i've just i've acquired so much literature in the last few weeks that i'm so excited to tackle some more tiki culture and some more drinks that you know maybe i don't necessarily know that much about or maybe aren't even tiki at all i do plan on doing some some uh some gin based which is also a summery drink and as we go into the fall maybe some bourbon and some spicy stuff well you know we'll see what's up some vodka definitely in the winter time um i think that's about it i would like to tell you guys if you would like to hear this podcast and episode one the pod tiki podcast and the articles associated with it are going to be on shareyourbuzz.com under the Pod Tiki tab. They're also going to be available podcast only on the Share Your Buzz podcast feed. So if you get your iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, it'll all be on there. Um, but if you want to read the articles, which are actually the the point of me doing this, please go to do shareyourbuzz.com backslash pod tiki and check them out. Other than that, I just want to say thank you all for listening, and salud.